0: Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of realeverything.com. I'm all about loving the skin you're in and being healthy inside and out.
1: And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantine of com. I believe that scientific literacy is the key to improving public health.
0: Welcome back to The Whole View. This week we're talking about One of my favorite topics and something we've been exploring a lot more um, lately, which is the definition of health. What is health and how do you measure it? Because, spoiler alert, the answer is not BMI.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Super, super. It is also not six-pack abs.
0: Right. Um, Not that those things preclude you from being healthy, but they also don't define health. So before we get into all that, just to introduce ourselves to our new listeners, I am Stacey Toth. I've had a 20-year career in federal regulation from varying degrees, um, and my life really changed when I realized what I put in and on my body affected my health. So we're going to talk about that today. but my career now focuses on what I call non-toxic living, um, both inside and out and emotional health and well-being will be another thing we talk about today because I feel like that's really a missing component on how a lot of people measure health. Yeah. How about you, Dr. Sarah?
1: Um, oh I thank you all. Um, so my name is Dr. Sarah Ballantyne. I have a medical research background and I actually, you know, was really struggling with over a dozen different diagnosed health conditions um, and trying to balance that with an academic career. And I ended up taking time off of my career in order to focus on my own health. And that brought me to a whole new field of research that really helps to inform what a healthy diet and lifestyle is that... Uh, I realized isn't actually being effectively communicated to the public. And so in my own health journey, I ended up sort of accidentally um, creating a new career for myself, which is, uh, I sort of think of myself as a science translator, or uh, maybe as a bridge, um, like the person who reads what all of, you know, the wonderful scientists are discovering about human health in their labs, and then taking that information that is, you know, written in scientific journals and using lots of jargon and writing that without dumbing it down, um, but writing that in a way that is accessible language for the average person so that we can take these discoveries that may may not make their way into your doctor's knowledge base for 5, 10, or even 20 years and kind of fast track it so we can go straight from what the researchers are discovering about nutritional sciences, about human biology, human physiology, and bring that actionable information into our day-to-day lives as efficiently as possible while being completely grounded in the scientific
0: research. We're very science-focused here, and um, while lately we've done a lot of deep dives into the science of food, lifestyle factors, hormones, specific nutrients, all that kind of comes together in a basic philosophy of health, right? Like, the whole reason Mm -hmm. that we talk about these things are not because we want you to get Beach Body Ready or whatever that and I'm using quotation marks there because um sarcasm. But um <laughs> it's because we want you to be well. We want you to feel full of joy and energy and other ways that we define or measure health. So before we jump into the science and all that, I do want to give a little perspective and bias. First of all, neither one of us are medical professionals or giving you medical advice. This is for you to become educated and empowered with information that you can take to your medical professionals or that you can continue to do further research and um, make adjustments to your own life accordingly. For me, this has been a very long journey. I have battled with weight my whole life. I mean, when I was a tween, like not even a teen, I went to um, what I affectionately, not affectionately refer to as Camp Shame, which was um, basically a place for fat kids to lose weight. And it really propelled me into a, a a lifetime of yo-yo dieting, of gaining and losing hundreds of pounds throughout the course of my adult life. And when I came to a lifestyle of health, I really focused a lot on being a competitive athlete. I was um in the sport of strongman and I was really good. I mean, yeah. I mean I was really good. Like really, really good. <laughs> I'm Northern Virginia's strongest woman. Um, not that you, you know, can't be athletic without being amazing but I took a lot of pride in um, being an athlete and I had a, non-lifting related injury that caused me a garden injury, um, that caused me to really reevaluate how I defined myself, um, how I took care of myself, how I chose to love myself in the context of self-respect and self-acceptance. Because when you have so much of your identity tied up into something, like I finally had come to peace with my body, but only in the context of, um, performance still, right, like not mm-hmm. in just accepting who I was, but in accepting a high level of performance, then it really had me change my mind shift in terms of just accepting myself, period, without, you know, any sort of qualifiers on it. And I think that's really difficult because acceptance is big. It is it is something that our cultural belief systems, our society, media, marketing, everything has built Around us not accepting ourselves. Because when we believe that we are less than, or when we believe that we are imperfect, when we believe that we just need to do this one thing to feel good and to feel happy and to, you know, love ourselves, that's how companies sell billions of dollars of products to us because they're encouraging you to change. And it's a lot less effective to convince someone to change if they already accept who they are. So some of the things that I think um that I think of when I think about this concept are um that beach body, <laughs> right? Yeah. That that thin, skinny bikini example of what people will then claim is health and self-love. And it's not to say that if that is you that that is a bad thing. It's just not who you are. It's not the only thing. When you accept yourself, like, will you accept yourself when you're 40 years older and things are sagging and not looking so good, right? Like, it's figuring out who who, and what that, um, that looks like for you. And on the opposite end, for me, when I was lifting, it was about being jacked. It was about being ripped. It was about getting my pump on. It was about how much I could lift, right? And um, as much as those things are really great, it's also, again, if that is the measure by which you're focusing your attention and, you know, you have this like GI Joe mindset of um, that's what health looks like, that's not realistic, for health, first of all, um, um, we see all the time professional ripped athletes have um, heart attacks or different kinds of things because it can yeah. be a burden on their bodies. But um, it's also not realistic for most people, right? And so, people, you're you're going to be sold to to try to change. And then, then we get into the real kind of toxic mental mind games that I think people play in terms of, you know. Botox, which we have a dedicated show on if you want to go listen to, but is a literal toxin that you're putting into your body in order to look better, you know, um, or being sold to things like collagen fillers, hair extension, liposuction. I mean, I think of like the lash serums that have caused people to go blind and people continue to buy them in the hope that they're not the one that goes blind. They're the ones that get long lashes. Um, And again, it's not to say that if you're doing any of these sort of things, I mean... I see people with hair extensions and I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks so amazing. Um, if that's what makes you feel good, if that's a decision that you're going to make, that's fine. But really it becomes um, the predatory techniques of the marketing, the media, the social media, the the cultural belief system that we have that aligns people to the belief that that's something that they need to do to look a certain way. Oh, and, it's really conflating what a actually
1: very misguided Uh, definition of beauty is with health. Like it's not even conflating a, uh, it's not conflating health with beauty, right? If you did it the other direction where you were to look at the health of somebody's, um, you know, skin without makeup on, right? Like other things that can uh, indicate that somebody has a healthy diet, a healthy lifestyle, right? Somebody's smile, somebody's laugh. If we were to conflate those things with beauty, if we were to say that that look of health is beautiful, rather than saying, you know, we want somebody to be, you know, that to be on a magazine cover, you need to be underweight and, um, and have all of these manipulations done, these cosmetic procedures done in order to fit this like Barbie doll type stereotype. And that's what we're going to call beauty. And it's so
0: pervasive and, and really harmful and not at all a definition of health which i think is such a good point to kind of like get back to right that um i think there are definitely things and we'll talk about them like for example clear skin that could be um an indicator of health but you know botox is not <laughs> that's not no. that's not leading to health in any sort of way but it's something that um really that area of beauty and health has become so muddy that it's like not even it's not even clear anymore. And the other yeah. thing that I see so often it drives me nuts online, especially, are these like teas and weight loss products uh-huh. that are nutrient or the, depleting. Or the 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 bowel cleanses. Yes. The, yeah. And what it's doing, well so some of these, I guess I can't make a, you know, blanket statement. But what a lot of these products are doing is acting as a laxative to flush Mm -hmm. food um, from your system. And if you're not properly digesting what's in your body, that's actually health harming. So these teas, these weight loss products can be a negative detriment on your health where you think to yourself, oh, I'm doing a health promoting thing by losing weight. But it's not it's this contrived circle where It's not actually good for your health at all. And people are using weight loss as a justification to um, harm health, so to speak. So this belief that thin is healthy is just wrong. We're going to get into some of that a little bit today. But I do want to point everybody to um, we did a really in-depth show on the science of this in episode 421, and we really went deep into the science of um, not just Um, how, for example, the BMI chart is actually more wrong than right when we assume that thin people are healthy and overweight people are not. But we also go into a lot of other things that make up the wellness and the health of um, especially overweight people and how This negative mindset and this circle that we have culturally is actually leading to the detrimental health of an overweight classification of people more so than potentially the weight itself and how the science supports so much of this. But what we see is that doctors are not reading it, reading into and up on this information and just perpetuating this cycle
1: yeah so one of the things that I mentioned in our intro is um that's worth sort of emphasizing right now is that there's a really big lag between when something is discovered in the scientific literature, right? the uh, a researcher in a lab makes a discovery that's really relevant to say, dietary recommendations or lifestyle recommendations or how we treat certain health conditions. And different, you know, different areas of the world will have a sort of a different lag time. Um, So, for example, in Europe, the lag time is typically about five years between when um, something really important is discovered by scientists before it's actually applied by doctors In America, that lag time can be as much as 20 years. Um, So for example, for a long time, we've understood that uh, your cholesterol that you eat, like if you eat the, you know, eggs have, for example, a fair amount of cholesterol in them. Um, We've known for a really long time that the cholesterol you eat does not become the cholesterol in your blood. Um, So the, you know, bad lipids in your blood those are actually related to uh, some of more inflammatory fats in your diet. For example, omega-6 polyunsaturated fats that we're getting from soy oil, canola oil, safflower oil, corn oil. Right, all of these industrial seed oils that are oxidized. Right there, you you don't smush corn and get oil out. For example, like it's a it's a big industrial process that uses high heat and pressure and solvents to get that oil out, and that. That makes a difference in terms of how that fat impacts our health when we consume it. Um, We understand that cholesterol is related to high refined uh, carbohydrate, high sugar intake, right? Drinking sodas. We know that it's related to stress and lack of sleep and insufficient exercise. Um, And actually, the cholesterol in eggs is not it, right? So for a long time, if you had high cholesterol, your doctor would say, well, stop eating cholesterol. Um, And it turns out that some of the foods that were eliminated on these sort of like low cholesterol diets are actually some foods that can actually reduce risk of cardiovascular disease. Uh, Eggs kind of have mixed data. They're probably not the best example from from that perspective. But there's a lot of foods that contain fats that were sort of demonized and this started in the 70s and 80s that we know now, you know, in the context of a nutrient focused diet. Are are really helpful. And so I think that, you know, this really leads itself into the way that a doctor measures health. You know, a doctor has a really amazing expertise that we can take advantage of, but their expertise is in diagnosing and uh, treating disease. It's not necessarily in measuring health. Um, And so, a a doctor, when you go for your annual exam, you know, a doctor is going to do, uh, they might do some blood work, right? So, they'll look at your cholesterol. Um, They might look at something like fasting, blood sugar, and insulin, and then they'll take your vitals, right? So, they'll look at heart rate, respiration rate, blood pressure, body temperature, and they'll do an exam. And um, they'll look at your general appearance. They'll listen to your heart and your lungs. They'll do a head and neck exam. They'll do an abdominal exam. They might do a neurological exam, right? Testing your reflexes. They might look at skin. Um, They will look at, right? Exterminating exams. They'll test your, right? How strong is your pulse and your ankles and your feet? Um, There's also the sort of male and female uh, specific exams that be part of that annual physical. And if uh, all those things come back as not, abnormal, right? So, so, hey, you don't have a heart murmur, right? Or your reflexes are normal, um, or you don't have sharp abdominal pain, right? Like your, your cholesterol is not through the roof and your blood pressure is within the normal range. Um, Then you will get defined as healthy. And what it really is, is it's not just that it's a lack of disease equals health, which I think is, is, again, sort of misleading, right? So lack of disease is kind of different than saying healthy. Um, But it also, really importantly, ignores symptoms that we can be sort of living with day to day, that as a, a society we have normalized because they're common, but that doesn't mean they're normal. Um, And these symptoms can be everything from, right, general fatigue, headaches, um, really common skin conditions like acne or eczema or rosacea, gastrointestinal symptoms, right? So uh, constipation, uh, a propensity for diarrhea or flatulence, um, having reflux or or, uh, belching, bloating, those things are not going to show up as a problem on a normal abdominal exam in a normal physical, um, joint and muscle aches or general feeling of malaise or just being easily irritable. These are things that we either attribute to aging or stress, or even I just need to type, um, sentiments, right? I just need to work out more or lose 10 pounds or eat more fiber. And we tend to, we tend to see these symptoms as signs of we're doing something wrong um and then also at the same time ignore those types of symptoms i mean often we wouldn't even think to mention these things to our doctor at an annual physical because they're just they're they're day to day they're all the time and they don't stop us from you know going to work or going to the gym or whatever it is right picking the kids up from school and so we just kind of live with it and those types of symptoms indicate that there's at least room for improvement in terms of health, right? At the very least, they indicate something's not quite right. There's a hormone out of balance. There's a, a gut health problem, right? There's some unresolved inflammation. There's something underlying that my doctor is not measuring in that typical annual physical that may indicate that I've got some work to do. There's, there's something, you know, I need to dig deeper. I need to figure out. There's something I'm um, either, you know, not eating that I could be eating that would improve my health, or something that I am eating that I could eliminate that's undermining my health, or I've got a lifestyle factor that's not dialed in, uh, that's not prioritized um, as best as possible that would support my health. And so, while well, the doctor really is looking for Is there something to diagnose, right? Um, When we actually think about what health means in in a ultimate goal sense, right? What is the goal? The goal is to be healthy and that we don't want to conflate that with thin or swole or uh, Botoxed, right? We don't want to conflate that with beautiful. Uh, We really want to think about what are the characteristics um of health what how would we feel if we were truly healthy and really like step 1 sure like lack of lack of disease but really it comes down to lack of symptoms of disease and whether that is um a chronic illness that we've been diagnosed with in the past that we can manage effectively with diet and lifestyle and maybe a functional medicine approach as opposed to a conventional medicine approach. But really that means the absence of these symptoms that we as a society seem to feel are um, because they're common are things we just have to live with. And and really we don't.
0: I think one of the like aha moments for me was this idea of measuring inflammation which is something I wish that a doctor had done for me early on, you know, as someone with multiple autoimmune diseases and all these sort of things. Like, anytime I went to the doctor, I was just told that I needed to lose weight. I wasn't asked, like, you know, are you getting... This amount of sleep? And what about, you know, discussing different types of um, physical activity that might have been helpful for me and, you know, all of the kinds of things that kind of like go into uh, yeah. proper weight for your body. If you're doing, if you have that kind of health and you're doing all those things, then I'm a firm believer of then. the the rest will kind of like fall into place or you can be intentional about that or, you know, whatever. But instead it was just like, lose weight. And no one ever, you know, looked into, I had a high white blood cell count. I had high inflammation. I had all these kinds of things that were clear indicators of other things that were a problem. And what I could have done, had I known earlier on, instead of just being told as a child, just constant diet 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 and we also have a show i can't think of the number off the top of my head about i think it's called beach body yo-yo right where the science shows that that going up and going down with weight loss is actually detrimental to your health because of muscle loss and different kinds of things that happen with your hormones Mm -hmm. so instead of thinking about health as simply how much you weigh and it's the same for people who are underweight right like people who are struggling to put on weight because there's clearly an underlying health condition but instead are told oh my god you look amazing or you know what i mean like whatever that might be um this the struggle is is real on both sides so instead I, i really like the idea of thinking about physical health from a place of um how can we identify things in ourselves that might be indicators of needing to improve in our health? And I, before we kind of like jump into all of these, I do want to just say like, nobody's perfect. I mean, I look at this list and I'm like, oh, I should do this different, or I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And should is a four letter word, it is a judgment word. And so if you find yourself saying, um, about yourself, uh you should do this or you know you you know you're not good because blah blah blah. That is not the goal of us running through all of these as we think about different ways that you can measure health. It is to be a measure for yourself as a guide. Think of it as a compass yeah. towards what you can do or can think about and how you can optimize. No one is going to be able to listen to the show and turn us off and be like, okay, now my life's changed. and I'm going to do all these things perfectly and never make another mistake. Um, that's just not reality. And that's not really what health is either. I mean, part of mental health we'll get into is also the ability to kind of be flexible with some of these things and and yeah. come back into and and still be able to prioritize and think about health in a neutral way with self-love and self-acceptance. So accept yourself for exactly as you are today. You're going to hear me say that and you're going to say, well, I can't because I need to do. No, stop. And maybe you need <laughs> to pause the show. I need you to love yourself the way that you love your child or you love your mother. You don't love them with this thought of, well, I'd love my son if only, you know, he'd lose five pounds. Or I'd love my mom if, you know, she just had a little less um, army hang skin. (laughs) No, like you love your mom (laughs) and you love your son or whoever it is, right? You need to love yourself the same way. So center yourself, get to a place where you're like, okay, I hear that. And then listen to what Sarah's going to talk about. (laughs)
1: Uh, I love that so much. No, I think, um, you know, thanks for sort of centering us on um, what we're we're trying to do is give us some better tools for measuring health, right? So uh, better tools than the number on the scale and what turns up at my annual physical exam with my doctor, right? And I think that... The the big challenge is weight is really a very poor indicator of health. It is nowhere near as good as body composition. And the way that our doctors are, the things that they're looking for is like wheels are off the cart, right? They're looking for something where their expertise can be utilized to help treat, right, that condition, whether it's with a pharmaceutical or a surgical intervention or some other kind of therapy, and so they're you know we want to use their expertise when the wheels do fall off the cart, but ideally, we'd like to figure out how to have a great cart. I feel like my analogy has uh run away from me again
0: uh super it happens
1: high integrity <laughs> cart is the is clearly the goal um so it, in that sort of broader definition of health, like what are the things that we can? um measure or even if it's qualitative what are the things that we can reflect about ourselves that would help indicate um you know where we are in terms of that health journey um and our our progress towards our health goals and so in addition to ideally an absence of symptoms that would indicate something's not cool um other things that we can look at are things like our energy levels right um, Do we have an energy crash in the afternoon? Do we need to rely on sugar or caffeine as a pick-me-up? Do we fall asleep um, or nap at sort of odd, inappropriate times, like on, you know, on the commute, on the bus, presumably not when you're driving, or, um, you know, on the couch after dinner? Like, are we, you know, really running out of energy so much so that we're either uh, self-medicating to get through it or um, falling asleep? and in an ideal situation, we would have sort of a consistent, we would wake up excited, refreshed. We wouldn't need coffee to wake us up. Um, you'd have a lot of energy throughout the day and then a gradual decline in energy in the evening until you fall asleep. And that, that's what a, a normal energy level looks like. Um, another thing is... Um, actually measuring body composition instead of weight. Uh, So we know from the scientific literature that a higher muscle mass is a far more important determinant of health than fat mass. And even when we look at fat mass, it's far more important where fat deposits are. So subcutaneous fat is much healthier fat than visceral fat. So uh, subcutaneous is what's, you know, between your muscles and your skin, and visceral is what is around your organs. Um, And there are, you know, ways that doctors can actually measure where your fat is um, if that was something that you wanted to look at, um, and also what type of fat it is. So there's what's called brown adipose tissue and white adipose tissue. Brown adipose tissue is very healthy. It generates heat. It it has a, it has a completely different sort of uh, hormone signal and inflammation signal in the body than white adipose tissue. Um, and so what type of fat and where the fat is is also important and more important than how much there is. And so looking at body composition can give us a sense and it's going to typically reflect things like activity. And I think that um craving activity um or maybe just enjoying activity can be a really great indicator of health and that can be as simple as wanting to play outside. Um, wanting to uh, go do something on the weekend that's going to involve walking around, right, going to tour a farm or going for a hike. Um, Maybe it's uh, working towards a fitness goal at a sport that we enjoy. Um, But really just that sort of enjoyment of movement, um, spontaneous physical play is a great indicator of health. Is it fun to race your kid to the bus stop or like Spontaneous dance party when a great song comes on the radio, right? Those types of things, um, they can be really my sarcasm. You know, small.
0: My sarcasm about that being ridiculous is is not an indicator of health. <laughs> it is. Uh, well,
1: that's that's
0: just. I listen. Everyone, I also not everyone spontaneous dance
1: parties. I also okay.
0: have spontaneous fun dance parties. I just usually, almost always, have the intent to embarrass my children when I'm doing it.
1: which is an excellent indicator of health. I believe that is programmed into the human (laughs) experience. Um, uh, Yeah, no, I think that though, what I'm trying to get at is um, enjoying movement, not just uh, going to the gym because it's on the to-do list and that's a thing that we do um, and not just going to the gym because we like the social atmosphere or we like how we look when we work out, but actually enjoying the activity itself um, and it's also worth mentioning that it's it's normal uh, when we've been sedentary for a really long time, um, whether that's you know sitting all day at work or watching an extra long movie on the couch, um, it's normal to feel physically crummy after that. Um, and that can also right be an indicator of health that that sort of feeling like, oh, I've been sitting too long, I need to get up and move around. Um, that is a a normal, healthy, Uh, feeling. So all of those things can help indicate health. Um, I think that sleep quality is a hugely important indicator of health. Um, You know, ideally we would fall asleep quickly and stay asleep all night. We would be getting enough sleep. Uh, We would wake up feeling refreshed and energetic and not need coffee first thing in the morning. Um, And so sleeping, right, we know that getting enough sleep and getting good quality sleep and sleeping on a regular routine are contributors to health, but we can also use the quality of our sleep as an indicator because our sleep quality reflects the quality of our diet, uh, how stressed we are, how active we are. It's a really good way of sort of looking at how dialed in all of these other inputs to health are. And I think the last really good indicator for physical health is what My, uh, my, my functional medicine doctor refers to euphemistically as a sense of well-being, which has got to be the best euphemism in the world. Um, I'm, I'm blushing. It's okay. You're blushing already. (laughs) Uh, he means libido is what he means. Um, and, uh, it really is, you know, a, a indicator of hormone regulation. Um, other good indicators of hormone regulation, um, besides libido and like wanting and enjoying sexual relations, whether that's with a partner or by ourselves. Um, another really good indicator would be regular menstruation, um, provided you're, you know, premenopausal and, um, and a woman. Um, but those, those things can be good indicators of everything else because the hormones that are regulating our cycles, Um, And regulating libido are also impacted by things like inflammation, nutrient-dense diet, sleep quality, stress management, activity, all of these things that we know are foundational for supporting health.
0: I think these are really good for me as we have kind of gone through this journey over the last couple of years. Another thing that's really been highlighted for me is the idea of health is beyond just the physical aspects that we've talked about, whether it's, you know, from hormone regulation to inflammation to digestion, all of these things go into it, but just as important is mental health. And I know for me, one of the first symptoms of an autoimmune flare or um, other kinds of, um conditions that I have is brain fog. It's like it's the first thing that I notice when things are kind of askew for me is this you know lack of ability to um, be as sharp as I would normally feel and so I I would argue that mental health is just as important um, a way to consider measuring your health because there's a lot of things that go into the brain. The brain is not like by itself. It is <laughs> it is the conductor, right? Like it is yes. yes.
1: No, I hundred, hundred percent agree. So um, you know, expanding beyond signs of physical health, I would put um a, a big checklist under the mental health column. Um and on that I would include mental clarity Um, good problem solving skills, good working memory. So that basically is the opposite of like brain fog and cognitive challenges. I would also include like balanced and proportional emotional responses. So, um, you know, it's okay to get angry when something aggravating occurs, but you want the anger to be proportional to the aggravation, um, and not like a crazy overreaction. Um, that whole like, uh, Having to regret something after it happened because you realized your emotional response was disproportional to the thing is not it's not a good situation. And it's also like it's it can be viewed as, again, sort of an indicator of maybe that's inflammation in the brain or or uh, dysregulated hormones or something affecting gut health or um, you know, a mental health challenge that hasn't been appropriately addressed. So I would put that in that list as well. I would put, the ability to communicate effectively. There's of course like whole courses that you can take to learn how to communicate. Um, but I think that uh communication requires a it requires all of these other uh sort of cognitive um, bits and pieces to be aligned, right? So it's, like it's really, all I
0: can do to think about Batman like yelling in someone's face, swear to me. Like, yeah, that's if, not if that's how life feels for you right now. It's... <laughs> <laughs> um, Something to think yeah, about.
1: <laughs> definitely mental health challenges that have not been addressed. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, just a almost just a commitment to being able to communicate, right? That would indicate um, you know, at a mentally healthy state, I would say just, you know, the, the, the baseline being generally happy and enjoying life, that doesn't mean happy all the time. That doesn't mean life is always awesome. Um, but, but that being, that being the default and then everything else swinging up or down from there, um, is a great indicator of health. I think also, Stacey, you mentioned flexibility. I would add to that sort of an ability to cope with um, events that are not according to plan in ways that are uh, productive and not destructive. Um, I would add enjoying play, engaging with others, um, enjoying um, building relationships, whether that's with Um, you know, a partner, family members, friends, pets. Um, And I would also add being okay being bored. I think one of the things that our sort of modern society has taught us is that we need to be entertained at all times. We carry the world on these little tiny rectangular devices in our pockets. and, And as soon as we're by ourselves, we tend to, you know, pull out our smartphones and, you know, whether read the news or you know doom scroll or uh, you know connect on social media with a family member or play a game. and I think that a really good indicator of mental health is being able to be comfortable in our own heads without that external uh, force distracting us um, without needing that constant entertainment. and I think that um finding the opportunities to be bored, to be in our own heads, to to be in a place where we're not um constantly stimulating ourselves with whatever we can find on the internet, I think is a a really important piece of this whole puzzle.
0: I would wholeheartedly agree. Um, one of the things that I learned uh, through being a foster parent is how much trauma hides and mm. um, it's very often the case that whether that's you or a loved one or whoever um, if they've experienced something that was traumatic and trauma is not just a very dramatic situation. Trauma can happen you know from a multitude of of different kinds of situations if Um, someone is not okay with being bored it's often because when they get to that place where they are alone with their feelings they don't like what they're feeling and so they use like crutches or different things to avoid it and stimulation um like you mentioned you know whether it's a smartphone or you know immediately needing to be in the room with someone else all the time not being able to be by yourself like all of that kind of stuff can be crutches to avoid um that alone activity or being in their own head so to speak so i'm i'm really glad you brought that forward and then i think there's a lot of other kinds of crutches that people use mm-hmm. towards all of these activities, right? And so you might say to yourself, like, "Oh, I have great energy." But then I would ask, like, "Do you find that in the afternoon you're giving yourself some sort of boost?" Right? Are you are you yeah. self medicating, as Sarah said, with um, caffeine or sugar or refined carbohydrates in some sort of way? I mean, having an afternoon. Whatever sometimes is not what we're, we're. I'm not here to tell you that like you can't ever have a cookie. Um, it's just that if you're having a cookie every day at three o'clock, um, that could be that you are self medicating. And also, is that cookie contributing to your health if you're having it every day at three o'clock? <laughs> um, but I think that there are a lot of different kinds of um crutches that people can have. Um, for sure. And another one that we haven't really talked about that's big for me, um, having come from not being a healthy person in my youth, is um, smoking, drinking, and recreational drugs. And all of these are, are different ways to avoid kind of the mental health stuff that we've talked about and are detrimental to your physical health as well. And so, you know, again... Sometimes we're, we're stressed parents, especially now these days in quarantine and all that kind of stuff. Like maybe you're having more glasses of wine where, you know, two glasses of red wine a week can, the science has shown, can be helpful from an antioxidant perspective. But if you're having like two glasses a night, that becomes something that can be really detrimental to your health and, and a burden on your liver to detoxify the other things that are in your life, Um So I think, um, you know, we talk big picture a lot about foods um, and all of those kinds of things. We can't like get into all of that today. But when you're thinking about foods, definitely um, think about the foods that are helpful and healing for you, right? Like the foods that um, help my health, the foods that energize me, the foods that help me feel my best are not the foods that necessarily give me... um, that oxytocin rush when I eat them, like ice cream and cake. <laughs> <laughs> but it's more the foods that, like, nourish what I call, like, nourishing my soul. Like, a cup of soup um, really just makes me feel – it's like a warm hug. And I think that it feels that way for me because my body responds so well to it, you know?
1: Yeah, I would actually –
0: You know, one of the things
1: about um, sort of healthy diet and lifestyle choices is they tend to make each other easier. So when we choose healthier foods, we're reducing inflammation in the body that is actually helping to regulate hormones, that helps improve sleep, that makes our bodies more resilient to stress. When we're getting enough sleep, that reduces stress. Um, but if we're stressed, that erodes sleep quality. Um, if we're active, that helps reduce stress and helps improve sleep. Uh, when we're too sedentary, that's a stress. And so I think that, you know, one of the things that is really helpful when we think about how the need for crutches or having to like muscle through, right? Like I really want that 3 p.m. cookie, but I'm not going to have it because I have all this willpower, right? The need to use willpower to um, abstain from something that we've determined uh, you know, is a, a choice that we don't want to make because it isn't as healthy, um, but really having to muscle through that, especially you know after a transition period to, to healthier choices. It's sort of normal to have to use some commitment and dedication for a few weeks while we um, sort of detox almost from these like manufactured chemical laden, uh, industrially processed foods. But once we're, you know, making overall more healthier choices than not, they actually help make each other easier, um, which decreases the need for crutches or willpower. So it's, it's a really good indicator of sort of that, that whole, you know, 20,000 foot view of both physical plus mental health, because they really are the intersection, of the total of all of those healthy choices that we're making, um, and just even just needing, right? Even when the crutches that we're using are healthier choices, um you know, I'm gonna go for a walk at three pm when I'm when I have my energy crash. Even when we can find better coping strategies, um, it still helps to really reflect on, Like, what is the underlying thing? Well, the underlying thing there is that my energy crashed at 3 p.m. And I'm trying to find a way to address that. But my energy crashing at 3 p.m. is an indicator that there's some work that I can do around sleep or stress. Um, And maybe that work I need to do is change my meal timing or my meal composition or my bedtime (laughs) or add maybe that 3 p.m. walk is perfect because it's going to help reduce my stress because I'm going to go walk in nature there's a lot of reflection in terms of the interconnectiveness of our diet and lifestyle choices and how they really sort of overlap and work together to contribute to our health. And that's where crutches and willpower become a a really great sort of overall indicator of something not being dialed in. They're not necessarily super specific. They're not going to say, well, if I crave caffeine, then it must be my stress level, that's the problem. We can't necessarily always draw that one-to-one correlation between what type of crutch we're choosing or what type of craving or um, appetite stimulant we're experiencing. But at the same time, they're a really good sort of overall measure of just, you know, where we are. What What is the sum total of, of the choices that I'm making? And is that sum total um, contributing to my health or or do I need to put more choices into that like healthy pro column and fewer choices into that uh
0: minimize con column I think that is such a good perspective I love the idea of like even the um walk at 3 p.m which feels productive and healthy like if that's what you're doing in order to kind of like boost your hormones or you know I, I know for a lot of people for me it was like lifting Or, you know, um, kind of CrossFit-like activities in the Mm -hmm. evening would give kind of a boost of energy. But if that's what you're doing in order to get through, like, what does that mean and how can you work on it? I I love thinking about a crutch as even kind of a positive thing for your health, but how is it applying to you? Um, I would also kind of just, you know, make sure that we're, as we expand our mindset on that, we're also thinking about things like, juice cleanses (laughs) the same sort of way like I know that they are marketed as something that is positive for you but we've talked um we had a celery juice show i think where Mm -hmm. we talked in depth on this um, about how fiber is really important to your overall health and in making a drastic dietary change like that for a certain amount of time what it can really do to you know your gut microbiome and all that kind of stuff that can have lasting um impacts as well and so this idea that you know we're kind of being marketed to and it's socially acceptable to do these sort of um restrictions of some of some kind whether that's you know in juice or avoiding um meat proteins as you know a short vegan challenge as my children almost got wrapped up into um or even restricting an energy source like calories um is that really Helping your health and and thinking about it from that perspective, like it sounds good on the surface, but what am I actually accomplishing and what is it doing for my health? And that's what we try to um, always use science to back up the information that we talk about here. Um, as we reflect on kind of like physical and mental health, um, there is an underlying biology in our bodies for both of those, and you can make decisions to help that biology or, um, to potentially hinder that. And so the goal is, as we've talked about, you know, we, we want to optimize for no nutritional deficiencies and fiber, for example, in a juice cleanse would be one of those. Yeah. Um, we want to really kind of focus on our, our hormones and our gut health, our immune health, our cardiovascular health. It's too much to think about together, right? I think we kind of, um, take for granted all that our bodies are doing at every moment because you know we're not personally our brain is not actively telling us that it's telling our heart to beat every single second but we can measure those sort of things um i know for me personally i got really into oxygen and heart rate measurements earlier this year after i got (laughs) sick and um It was, it was actually good for me for a while to have a measure that wasn't like a scale or something where I could kind of look at heart rate variability and say, okay, like I get it now when I do deep breathing exercises, I am help. I can see the science of it helping my health, but then I have a propensity for kind of disordered eating and um, a disordered relationship with my body. And it became something I obsessed about just the same way, you know, a scale can have with you, right? Mm -hmm. If you're weighing yourself multiple times a week, multiple times a day, that's not actually a reflection of, you know, your health, so to speak. And so um, there are different things that we can do. I love the idea of keeping a journal, right? Like yes. um, maybe documenting some of the things that we've talked about, energy level, mood, um, digestion. Did you get a breakout? And if you're documenting it, it could be something that you notice you get acne during you know, a certain part of the cycle if you're a woman who's menstruating. So there's just a lot of different things that I think that we can kind of become aware of, but there is no immediate solution. (laughs) Like you are not going to come away from this show and be perfect. And I just, I just want to re-emphasize that like, you know, whatever it is that you choose to kind of take away from this and say, okay, I can focus on this. I can feel good. I want you to try to find the positive. Um, It is never our goal to have you walk away and feel overwhelmed or stressed out by all the things that you should be doing, but aren't. That's the opposite of our goal because we hate that little should word.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, I I really want to encourage, I mean, society as a whole, to adopt a more sophisticated measurement of health. I think that is what the, this entire show is about, is about looking at health as more than the weight on the scale, you know, BMI and absence of disease. Because really when we are healthy, you know, what that actually boils down to is feeling good, feeling good in our bodies and enjoying our days. Um, and that is right. It's quality of life. That, that is what it, it all boils down. Oh, to I love that. Can, Health is quality of life. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we can, you know, integrate, healthy choices into our lives to support our health. You know, again, that's why we always like to refer to it as a health journey. Um, there is no magic pill. There's no celery juice for breakfast that is going to get us there. And again, you know, reference our celery juice show. Um, and I think it's really important to, to have a broad understanding of what healthy choices really are and find balance in our own lives so that what's sustainable for us is making more healthy choices day to day than we are making suboptimal choices. Um, And that is how we really, you know, progress towards this goal of being able to check off all of these boxes of indicators of health and really feel like, yeah, we've got it, you know, we've got it dialed in. That comes from, um, in, in a lot of ways, sort of like, the individual problem solving of how do I fit in this thing into my life? How do I make this way of eating something that I really enjoy and that I want to do for the rest of my life? And really thinking about health, not I want to lose 15 pounds before my cousin's wedding, but I want to feel great. I want to enjoy every day. And that as the, as the goal rather than, uh, some kind of superficial, you know, beauty measurement and conflating that with health.
0: And just to kind of reiterate that, confidence is catching. Confidence is beauty. You hear it all the time. So, you know, if you really want to be attracting there is nothing that i find that attracts people more to me than when i am loving who i am and i am comfortable in the skin that i'm in it doesn't matter how much hair and makeup and dress and whatever i have on when i am laughing and i'm having fun and i'm um i am the person that someone wants to be around because they want to enjoy that and that's what we want for everybody and we want you to to feel good in the skin you're in to love yourself to be confident in who you are and to revisit acceptance after all of this can you please have a little I don't like meditation I really don't like it (laughs) it's technically meditation but I just want you to take like a few minutes to repeat to yourself like you know I accept myself for who and how and what I am today. You can want to be better. You can want to change. You can want to make improvements and still love who you are in this very moment, just like you do your mother, just like you do your son or whoever it is that you love in your life. There are no, um, you know, restrictions that you put on that for them. So with that, I want to thank you all for hanging through our show and remind you that we have a lot of different shows that we've referenced here today that you can go dive in some more. I especially really, really love our um, body image show for 21. If you enjoyed the show, go back and take a listen to that one. It's one of my favorite shows we've ever done. And I just want to thank you again for being here. If you enjoyed the show, share it with your friends and family, because that is the best way for us to reach more people with this important message. And for our regular listeners, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week.
1: Do you love the whole view podcast we'd love for you to leave us a review wherever you listen and share a podcast with your friends and family
0: and did you know that you can now get exclusive behind the scenes content on patreon for less than the price of an almond milk matcha a month your patreon membership supports us and gets you access to a monthly bonus episode
1: but not for kids ears because our bonus content is explicit You can find us as The Whole View on Patreon for our real, unfiltered thoughts on this week's episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the
0: free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death